Welcome to the fourth official soccer podcast. My name is Boreal Udemi and I'm joined by my co-host Sulaiman Lassisi. Sulaiman, after uh, a week off due to the international break, how are you feeling about this past weekend? This past weekend was an exciting one. It was a refreshing return to club soccer and lots of impressive scorelines, not to say the least about City's struggles at Norwich, but very interesting. Glad to be back watching club soccer again after a week off. How was your return to club soccer? Yeah, it was great just sitting down, glued to my TV all Saturday and Sunday long, just watching, you know, top games. Um, it really did not disappoint. Yeah, I mean, the energy just took back up from where it left off, and you can see the teams just ready to get back in it, especially for me watching the Premier League and seeing how teams just... It seemed like Liverpool just went back to the cruise control mode and they were just back to winning ways. Yeah, it was quite exciting. Uh, what do you have for us uh, for the spot kick segment? Yeah, this is directly from the playbook of the Premier League teams this past weekend. And I was just going to do like a question tag type of thing. So I'm going to ask you, Bori, after seeing the games in the Premier League this weekend, I'm going to say Otamendi's to Manchester City as who is to Arsenal. <laughs> Socrates, Socrates. Exactly, Socrates. And that makes me think about the idea of teams playing out from the back. And this week was actually a very good example of how dangerous it is. It it usually works, but with teams playing the high press these days, you just have to be very careful. And in an age or an era where you can actually start playing from inside the box, which is what FIFA just allowed this season, you have to have your ducks in a row or you're going to be giving away very cheap goals. In City's case, that was actually the winning goal of the game. So interesting to see how this kind of tactics and strategies can backfire. Oh, yeah. I thought it was pretty funny, especially Sokotis' um, uh, giveaway. Uh, it, I mean, it was unfortunate, but still just, uh, you know, maybe laziness. Uh, I don't know. Like, he could have struck that ball faster, I think. But you're right. You know, they need to be able to you know, practice the stuff. And I'm sure they do, maybe. I don't know. But uh, they need to get better at it if they are going to play from the back. Exactly. So with that, I'm going to just lead into the Premier League review. We saw a lot of things today. What stuck out to you was in the events that happened around the grounds in the Premier League this weekend? Uh, should I go for the obvious one or the not-so-obvious one? I will go for the not-so-obvious one, and that is Tammy Abraham scoring a hat-trick. That was the standard. Well, actually, let me take that back. Tammy Abraham scoring a hat-trick plus another goal, um, and the other goal was an own goal. But I thought that was pretty uh, interesting uh, because I, I'm a critic of Tammy Abraham uh, because I think he's a, uh, you know, a championship side kind of uh, player, um, and he's always good in, in with against smaller teams, but Wolves are no small team. Um, so it was surprising, I would say, nonetheless, that Tammy Abraham was, was able to score a hat-trick. Yeah, and I echo your sentiments, because I've always felt like I saw him at Swansea City, I saw him back at Aston Villa, and I just felt like he couldn't handle the pressure like at the very big stage in a club like Chelsea. So seeing him, especially the third goal against Wolves, where he just like left Conor Cordy for clueless in that spot, I thought that was a very good indication or indicator of what kind of striker he can become if he continues on this path. Yeah, very surprising. Like I said, um, it should be, you know, again, 
too early to judge, but you know, like Morata started out, found you know very well when he joined Chelsea. So if he keeps this up, then and then I you know I'll be convinced. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie, I've been convinced slightly, um, just because again, uh, scoring a hat trick against Wolves is no easy fit. Exactly, and let's talk about Liverpool for a minute. Liverpool came into the Newcastle game. Um, of course, after the break, and they considered an early goal to Newcastle. And from then on, they took over the game, and it was just another casual affair. And they didn't, they didn't seem threatened through the entirety of the game. What are you thinking? Because I know at the beginning of the season, we were feeling like they might struggle. And yeah. even in this game, they didn't start Firmino. They started Origi. But... They look like they actually look like the team who might go with the distance based on just the momentum they have at the moment. What do you yes. think? Yes, yes, I w- I would agree with you with momentum. Um, the only thing about momentum is, I mean, I'm not a physics uh, I'm not a physics person, so I can't really I don't know what the actual lingo is. But you know, um, when an external force acts on something that's moving in, along its path, then it tends to displace it, right? Uh, and Correct. the external force could be. Uh, uh, you know injuries, and, and we've seen that uh, you know a few times, and they've, that's cost them some clean sheets. You know, with Adrian, for example. Uh, you know, like uh, last month, for example, I think he 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 had a howler. Um, so just things like that. You know, just change of teams, change of players, which Liverpool, in my personal opinion, was they were very lucky to be able to not have uh, you know a huge injury list. Um, I, I think this season may be different, and yes, they have you know they have a momentum right now. But you never know, I, you know, once that injury comes in, like I, I'm not praying that any of them should get injured. But like think about you know Mane, for example, getting injured, and Origi is re- injured. Remember, he had to get off the game last uh, last game because he was injured. Um, once once he goes out, once Mane goes out, that's it. Like you know, they may not be the same Liverpool, and I may be wrong. They, you know, they may not win the top games. They will still win some games. But we got to be careful about how we, you know, a lot of people have been changing their minds about Liverpool. Oh, they're, they're going to win it. But, hey, I say, you know, this is just September, you know, and we have all the way to May. So you never know what will happen. Yeah. Thank you for dragging me off the bandwagon there for a second. I jumped on it because they played a very beautiful brand of soccer this weekend and I couldn't help myself. But before we leave Liverpool, Firmino had this non-challenge assist to Salah this past weekend. Did you catch a glimpse of it? Yes, I I did see it. Um, are you are you are you make are you are you saying that because of Mane and and Salah's situation? Uh, oh well, well not exactly. I just felt like it was so beautiful to watch the way oh, he does okay. it. Oh, I see, I see. Um, yeah, I did see a post uh, of of people like Henry and 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 Asen Wenger, for example, saying how important. Uh, Firmino is for Liverpool, which, to be honest, I'm very bad at reading the game sometimes, and I, I can't tell. Uh, but when you see situations like that, you know, this past weekend, you can tell that he's important. And it turns out, it seems like he, you know, he's, I mean, he's obviously been doing this for, for a while. But in my mind, I think of a striker as, you know, score goals. And if you don't do that, then, you know, uh, you're not a striker. You're just a, an attacking midfielder. So so that that's what goes on in my mind when it comes to Firmino. I see. Well, hopefully this season he, he pulls out a lot more tricks that can hopefully convince you that this guy is a real deal. Sure, sure. I mean, it, 
don't get me wrong, it's, you know, when you have people like Mane and Salah in the front line, it's hard to score so many goals because they basically just share the goals among each other. But uh, it's no, it's not, you know, it's not, uh, it's very obvious that Firmino has the least goals out of those two. But not saying he's not important, it's very important for that front three, for sure. Yep, yep. So let's talk about Spurs. It looks like everything's good at this point in time. They started really slow. Yeah. What do you, you think is going on? I, I knew once Son came back, everything would be fine. Um, Son is a phenomenal player. I was actually listening to a, a talk show that uh, uh, somebody basically asked the talk show saying, "Who who is more important for for Spurs?" And and the question, you know, the question was, uh, "Who's more important for Spurs? Is it Son or is it Kane?" And Based on the past two seasons, and again, I am not going to go beyond the past two seasons because I can't really tell you what who was more important before the past two seasons. But I think Son has been important for for this team. I think Son is this team, um, and and you can tell. And, and once Son is came back, you know, every everything seems to be you know better. Um, and I mean, sure, it didn't happen last season in the finals, but there's no there's no hiding it that Son was de- you know very important. Son was very important for. Uh, uh, for Spurs in in the Champions League, so so I think I think uh, Spurs will be fine. I think with Liverpool uh, with uh, with Son coming back, everything is going to be fine. Everything will come back to normal. They will win the games that they're supposed to win, and maybe when it comes to the top six, they may tie or lose the game depending on the opponent. Um, but I I think there's you know I think I think there's nothing bad about Spurs right now just because again they've gotten their for me their main man back. That that is interesting. I think Son's definitely an important piece to the team. But I also think of players like Eriksen and just the fact that the transfer window is behind them and they know who is a part of the team. You saw Serge Aurier play this weekend. I just think as a as a team, a squad, everyone knows their place and they're ready to play going forward. Cool. Now let's talk about the citizens in the room. Let's talk about Manchester City going to Norwich this past weekend. Any reactions? Um Unsurprising, I think we've mentioned this in the podcast before, and I'm sure you probably remember this, especially during the Copa America. I, I, I mentioned several times that the reason why Messi will not win or can't win currently the South American Cup is because of the backline of Argentina. You have players like Foyt, you have Otamendi, uh, you know, Petela is, is okay, but like you have these players that are not good defenders, and, and this is the reason why. Argentina cannot do anything, and that's another reason why they couldn't do anything last season, uh, last last year at the World Cup. Um, so, I'm not surprised that Otamendi made those mistakes he made because this has been something that I knew, uh, and I'm not surprised that they lost that game. Um, I think I'm just more surprised that they couldn't answer um, um, the goals. Uh, it's very surprising that you know, uh, for example, De Bruyne, De Bruyne didn't start the game. Uh, I thought that was a you know like. That was Pep undermining Norwich, um, but it's it's very surprising to me that they couldn't score. This is this is a city we're talking about here, and and they played a, a backline that was injured basically. I mean, I, I, if you heard the press conference, um, Norwich's backline was was basically they had a lot of the defenders that were out, and and it's surprising they couldn't score against that defense. So I think that's more surprising for me than them receiving three goals. Yeah, and I agree. I think at this point, what really stuck, like, struck me as surprising was the fact that Kevin De Bruyne was sitting on the bench, not starting this game. 
And it just looked to me, like you said, they undermined Norwich. They undermined the fact that this team that had most of, more of their players on the uh, um, trainer's bench than they had on the, on the bench or on the field on Sunday, that it was, it was going to be a struggle for this team. And I really enjoyed the fashion and manner in which Norwich played the game. They weren't coming out to defend. There were clips of how they were actually playing out of the high press. And that really impressed Oh, yeah. I did see that clip. And, it, you know, the joke was like the press. Actually, I think it was the Norwich Twitter account that posted that. Exactly. But, but, but the joke was like the, the press was making fun of them um, against Liverpool because they were trying to play the same way. And, and it didn't work out, obviously. But, uh, you know, Norwich, Norwich is great. Uh, and I think they they will definitely stay up uh, just the way they're playing, uh, and they have no distraction. Uh, you know they don't have any European uh, uh, you know trophy to go for, so I, I think they will do just fine. I see. Yeah, talk a little bit about Manchester United this weekend because I feel like we don't give them enough credit I, when we get the simple things right. I think that was more of the surprise for me this weekend. Uh, I think the surprise was that. Uh, they kept kept a clean sheet against Leicester City. Uh, I I can't believe it. Uh, I actually didn't watch the game. I saw the highlights only. But when I when I saw the results of the game, I was like, "There's no way this is correct." But um, uh, kudos to De Gea um, and, and and the backline, you know, of of United uh, for for keeping out that clean sheet. So so I again surprised surprised at that result. And same here, massive game, massive three points. And I hope the team, I David De Gea just you know, extended his contract to Manchester United. And I just hope they can build off of this because they're a team that on their days, their good days, they can actually compete with the big teams. But it's just for me, it's more of they have a squad, but they haven't been able to put it together. So let's hope that this leads and progresses into a regular showing. Let's wrap it up with Arsenal, Bori. This weekend was supposed to be an opportunity for Arsenal to crank up the gears playing against a, a, a troubled Watford team. And what did they do? They 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 blew it. They blew the lead 2-0 and, and Watford came back. Watford, I mean, they Arsenal basically gifted them a goal and, and obviously they had that uh, penalty. I have this thing going on in my head like, did David Luiz come to Arsenal to screw them over? Or, like, what is he doing? He's just had a very bad season so far with Arsenal. Yeah, I think I think at his age, and then this also testifies to whoever is making the transfer decisions at Arsenal, you have David Luiz and you have Socrates. These are some of the slowest footballers playing their trade in the English Premier League. And they defense pairing. And you just know that it doesn't take a lot for them to concede penalty kicks because they're lazy, because they're not the fastest players, and this will be a recurring theme for Arsenal season. Yeah, um, I I rated Unai Emery very highly, especially with his when he was at Sevilla. But um, I, I just don't know if now if it's the players or if it's him. Uh, it, I don't think it can be the players. You know, you have phenomenal players playing for Arsenal, especially their front line. I mean, I guess they're they're scoring goals, and and let's be honest, they was they were just desperate you know they were desperate to get a defender um they needed one so bad and uh David Luiz happened to also not just want to play for Chelsea anymore so I think honestly it made sense for them to go for him but I just didn't think it would be this bad I thought he would be their best defender you know but turns out 
turns turns out not. Uh, I mean, well, it turns out that maybe he is their best defender, but you know, they they all just not are good enough, and that's why they're conceding so many goals. We'll see. Hopefully, next week they have a turnaround in fortunes. But until then, let's move on to the Bundesliga. Yeah, uh, Paco Alcacer scoring again this weekend. No surprises there. I think we'll just keep saying that until he stops scoring. <laughs> Jadon Sancho with two assists this weekend. We didn't see Sancho directly assisting Paco Alcacer, but what we saw this weekend was even more beautiful. We saw a Pac and Sancho assisting right. Marco Rose via Alcacer, and it was just a beauty to watch the chemistry and the telepathy that's going on between these players. Yeah, and this is something that we're going to talk about uh, very, very shortly uh, when we're doing our uh, Champions League review. But uh, uh, that's a worry for for Barcelona, in my opinion. Um, but uh, that their chemistry is great in that front line, and and you can tell that they will score many goals. And you know, maybe, maybe, just maybe, they, this may be the year that they take it from from Bayern Munich. We'll, you know, we'll see. Definitely, we'll see. And speaking of Bayern Munich, this weekend they played. RB Leipzig, and you just knew that it was going to be a tightly contested affair, and they ended up sharing the points. Lewandowski put them up very early in the game, well-placed finish, and they looked threatening, but that's the yeah. thing with threatening. They didn't put it away, and Leipzig had a penalty, and Forsberg put them even. So 1-1 the game ended, and with this, I I think it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting season because, you know, Dortmund lost a game just before the international break and we have these two teams tying so it's it's pretty evenly matched at this point yeah if Bayern had won I would have said okay yes Bayern's gonna win this whole thing because now they're gonna start opening up uh, uh too many points between the rest of the league um but but uh the tie was very good I think uh Leipzig I mean there's I think they're currently number one in the Bundesliga um I, I you know kudos to them uh I, I think you know, Bayern Munich is going to be hot and cold, but Leipzig, I think, will definitely probably come back down just because they have, you know, remember they're in the Champions League, so they won't have the man, you know, the the manpower to to probably take them through uh, first place. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think I, you know, I think it's going to be very interesting the Bundesliga this season. Me too. We'll see how that goes in the next few game weeks. Yeah. Let's move on to La Liga. Uh, you know, this weekend, uh, Hazard finally came off the bench and, and played for uh, Madrid. Um, they, they won 3-2, but it was a very scary one because I think the first 40 minutes, they scored three goals. And then in the second half, when Hazard came in, they conceded two goals. Um, I, I watched Hazard play. Um, you know, Hazard is Hazard, right? Like, he takes the ball... You know, gives it to the you know passes around. He does his thing, uh, but the problem is obviously they couldn't finish it when Hazard get, you know uh, gave them the ball. But uh, all in all, would you you know what do you think about Hazard in that game? And do you think you know do you think Hazard starting for Madrid now means that they will start winning and contending for La Liga and and other uh, trophies? I think it's a positive that he has actually come off the bench and played for the team. So, yeah, that is a positive. I would have loved for him to get, like, his name in the stats. You know, maybe an assist or a goal would have been a nice way, especially, like you said, it turned out to be a scary affair towards the end of the game. So to have been in the stats for, like, giving them a cushion through a goal and assist 
would have been great. But I mean, it's nice in general that he's playing. Yeah, yeah, you're completely right. And I just want to give a shout out to Benzema. Uh, Benzema has been scoring. He's on fire. He's basically carrying the team right now. I agree with you 100%. Benzema, it reminds me of Wayne Rooney. Unfortunately for Wayne Rooney, he blossomed at the same time as Cristiano Ronaldo. And you hear a lot of people say he let Ronaldo take the shine. And the same with Benzema, like he played with Ronaldo, he let Ronaldo take the shine, but take nothing away from his finishing, his lethal goal scoring ability. And if required of him, he would definitely finish his chances. Sure. Another surprise this weekend was um, Atletico Madrid losing 2-0 to Real Sociedad. Very awkward uh, moment for them. I, I think this is something that will probably wake them up. So it may be a good thing uh, in some sorts. Uh, but I was surprised. I mean, they started everyone. Uh, you know, Joao Felix played, Costa played, uh, Lamar. Um, I, I don't see why they would lose this game against Sociedad. Um, but uh, I don't think there's any cause for alarm. Uh, the only thing is this is a good thing that it's happening now and not, you know, when it really matters. But uh, what, what do you think about them losing the game uh, uh, to a small team like Sociedad? Well, I would say the first thing that came to my mind I wanted to point out was Jean Hoblak was left the game in the first minute. Yes. So so from then on, they were playing with Adan and it was never gonna be the same, you know? <laughs> like they didn't they didn't come into the game thinking they were gonna play with Adan. So I think that's something that needs to be said. Also, I would say the Atletico Madrid in the last couple of games they've won by just one goal and I actually think they came back from two down to win one of the last few games. So it's been, and this is something we consider characteristic of Atletico Madrid. They'll fight back and get a win, do whatever is necessary. But sometimes it just falls short. And this is what happened. And I agree with you. It's no cause for alarm. Sure. And, uh, you know, moving on to, to uh, Catalonia, uh, Barcelona wins 5-2. Uh, you know, Frankie de Jong and Ansu Fati, showing up for Barcelona in the absence of Messi. Um, and guess who's back? Luis Suarez. Didn't start the game, but still managed to score two goals. Um, again, people have criticized Barcelona, that, like, you know, they can't play without Messi. But I think they really showed in this game that, you know, of, I mean, yes, they do need Messi, obviously. But they do, you know, sometimes they they may be able to do without him. Um, but I just want to, sh you know, shout out to the young people, young young people uh, playing for Barcelona currently, especially Ansu Fati. Um, he's just breaking records left and right. I mean, not that this is a very huge record to break, but um, he's the youngest person to have a goal and an assist in in La Liga uh, ever. So it, it's very good to see something like that. And just, I, you know, I think the the one thing I want to call out from his game is the. Um, the calmness to which he he's able to play at that left wing, uh, it, it's phenomenal from somebody that's 16 years old. And I mean, think about your your time. What were you doing when you were 16 years old? You were probably just like running around, just doing nothing. But this is someone that is playing in front of a big crowd in Camp Nou uh, and scoring goals and assisting goals and dribbling past, uh, you know, great defenders. So so shout out shout out to Ansafati. Um, but in general, what what do you think about that that game? 16 years old, Bori, I was playing three aside, waiting for some scouts to pick me up to play <laughs> professionally. So, sure. yeah, but, but nowhere near Ansifati's level, I'll tell you that. I am very impressed by his calmness and composure in front of the goal. And uh, the, this past game, Ansu and Frankie had this combination. I assist you, you get a goal. You assist me, I get a goal. I thought that was really cool coming from 
a player that's new to the squad and it was a, he's a joy to watch. I'm very, very excited to see how his career turns out, but not very often you see a player coming to the Barcelona squad. You're not going into just some regular random squad. You're going to the Barcelona squad and you're making an entrance at such fashion, in such fashion and in such like manner of productivity. So I was very impressed. One thing I need to say, this doesn't take away from Barcelona's wing, but Valencia sacked Marcelino during the transfer, yes. during the international weekend, yes. international break. So does that reduce the threats that Valencia would have been? Maybe, but impressive showing by the Camp Nou athlete. Um, I just want to give a shout out to Granada. Um, they are killing this season again. Uh, they beat uh, Celta Vigo 2-0. Uh, you know, Celta Vigo had two red cards in that game. So I, I would say, you know, I'm not surprised that Granada won. But the fact that, you know, this team nearly promoted, they are neck and neck with Barcelona right now. They, you know, the only difference between them and Barcelona is the goal scored. So um, that is, it's just phenomenal to see a small side just kind of, you know, take on uh, big teams uh, in, in La Liga. Now, moving on to Serie A, our favorite league. Um, Milan this weekend played Hellas Verona. Um, sad scenes. Um, first of all, uh, Milan barely won against Hellas Verona. There were two red cards in that game. Um, but the one thing I want to point out again is we can't stop talking about this because this is an issue in the Italian football. Uh, Kessier was racially profiled again uh, this weekend. And it's just crazy to see that this is still something that we're talking about weekly. Um, and to even make matters worse, the Hellas Verona, which is the team we played this past weekend, the Hellas Verona social media account was basically saying that is this, do we call this racism or do we call it just, you know, uh, kind of like a roar from the crowd, uh, which I think was a very stupid way to to respond to to the racist claims um but it's just really sad that we, we you know again this is something we're talking about weekly Sulaimon? yeah and i agree with you you know while you were saying that i was actually pulling up something that i saw earlier today and interestingly you saw some another different incident happen it was luciano passerani making a reference to lukaku another respected italian pundit and saying to the public a very racial, racist comments, reference to Lukaku. So it just points to the fact that maybe there's some education need to be done because for me, it's just, if a respected figure of that stature comes on, on TV and says stuff that you shouldn't even say in your closet, then for me, it's just, this is a really big problem that people think it is. And now you also saying that a company's media, the, the club's media account saying similar things, it's, it's sickening. Yeah, it's really sad. Uh, but let's move on to to Napoli. Uh, Napoli, you know, this weekend. I again, I, I'm I'm standing by my prediction of Napoli actually winning this. Uh, initially, I said that Chucky Lozano is not enough, and they need a player like Cardi. But I think Napoli is looking very good. Um, but the the reason why I'm talking about them though is that they didn't concede. Finally, they were able to keep a clean sheet. Um, although there were mistakes in the back, um, which is something that I think, uh, you know, is has been the problem for Napoli this season so far. But uh, could you stand for not keeping a for for keeping a clean sheet? What do you think? Well, on the week on the on the episode, you you decide to talk about 
them keeping a clean sheet, the only thing that stood out to me this weekend was actually their attack. But I want to commend the defense on keeping a clean sheet against Sampdoria, who, of course, are no walkovers when it comes to Italian soccer. So great work there, but I'm not going to say much on their defense, just great work. I want to talk about their attack. And this, to me, yesterday was it was a realization. It was a dawning moment when I realized that they have Lorente, they have Lozano, they have Martins, and they have Caleon. They have Insigne as well. So for me, it's just, I think about like Inter Milan, Roma, Juventus, but to me, this is the best attack in the league. And I know Inter Milan and Juventus have Cristiano Ronaldo, Douglas Costa, Pablo, Gonzalo Higuain. But for me, this is a forward that's as fluid as anyone, any, any forward line that you can come up with. Definitely. I mean, they have the highest goal scored this season so far. Um, they are, you know, very good. I just think in the big games and, you know, when it actually matters, you know, things like that. I don't know how, they, like, when they come up against tough defenses, like tomorrow or, or on Wednesday against Liverpool, or against, uh, Liverpool they, you know, are they going to be able, are, are they going to be good? Um, and, uh, well, well, we'll see what happens and we'll talk about it uh, in the future of the episode but let's move on to uh you know juventus surprisingly they tied this weekend and not only that they accrued three injuries three fresh new injuries one to diego costa the other to pianic and the last one to danilo um do you think this is a a problem for them as you know especially as we are starting champions league and you know this is a squad that i kind of made fun of that because they have basically probably the best depth in the game but losing the player like diego uh the, losing the player like douglas costa is very uh is very alarming because just because i don't think a player like benedeschi uh can can replace his shoes so do you think this is a cause for alarm for juventus definitely not a, not a cause for alarm they'll have to make do i mean of course like you said douglas costa and benedeschi different levels but they'll have to make do and Maybe this is time for Dybala to feature even more and assert his presence, his, his, his importance to that team. So not a cause for alarm, but maybe some reason for them to reorganize the structure of that team. Yeah, sure, for sure. And I just want a quick shout out to Inter Milan. I don't usually do this because obviously I'm their adverse fan. Um, but uh, uh, Inter Milan won one zero last last. You know, last weekend, um, I just want to sh- call out this phenomenal player. Uh, Sensi is the best player for Inter Milan right now. Um, he's a central midfielder that's playing for Milan, and he is just like listeners at home. If you do, if not had the chance to see him play, uh, I would say do yourself a favor and actually watch him play. This guy is phenomenal. And first of all, a lot of people make fun of his height because he's five six five feet six inches tall. Um, but it's funny enough. He scored a header uh, last weekend, but not only the goals. Like he's very sharp, very composed, very you know he has very good passing. Also, he can read the game very well. Um, and AC Milan was linked with him, but somehow we didn't get him. But but uh, I just want to give a shout out to to Sensi, and you know it's going to be. I wouldn't be surprised if he wins the player of the season uh, because he's just a you know machine for. Inter Milan. But let's move on to the league on. Um, the only thing we're going to be talking about here, you know, is Neymar coming back to uh, PSG. Did you watch the game last weekend? How do you, how do you, 
how did you see the game? Well, you know, I saw a name of play for PSG against Strasbourg. And for me, I thought he was back in his usual comfort zone. He, he had a great game and fitting of him to score a really good goal towards the very end of the game. A very important goal, by the way. And I think it's a very good way for him to reacquaint himself. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Neymar. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that was a very good game for him. Yeah, it was uh, crazy to play against. Well, basically, he said it. It felt like playing a, an away game, even though PSG were playing Paris. Um, but basically, the the fans, the ultras of PSG, were you know basically flicking him off and calling him all sorts of you know not nice names, um, and basically booing him throughout the game. And but towards the end, when he scored. I think their their minds would change because they were celebrating because they needed that goal to be scored um, to basically put them on top of the league. But, uh, you know, I don't know what to, to, to make of this, but I have a feeling that Neymar may just show up for them this season and be the important player. And maybe, you know, it'll be, it'll be fun to see if the fans will come back to his side. Yep. Yeah, and around league on, like, you know, the big teams, you had Monaco and Marseille playing a seven-goal thriller, and Monaco eventually losing. I just feel like for Monaco, it's things are just not meant to be. They're scoring, but they're still losing. What are your yeah, thoughts? I think uh, Leonardo Dim is probably going to get fired again, which would be very funny. Um, but uh, it, I don't understand. They were up 2-0, and uh, then things happened, and, and they eventually lost the game. Um, I... I don't know what to say. Uh, other than other than that, I, I don't know. I really don't know what's going on with that club. Uh, I, there's there needs to be some kind of uh, uh, football retreat, is what Milan called it last season when they they didn't play well when they lost a few games uh, when they lost games back to back to back. Um, so I think they need some kind of retreat or some kind of kind of psychological change because uh, things are not working out. Even though I think. Jadim is a very fine coach, very good coach, and they have good players. You know, you have uh, Ben Yedder, and uh, and and currently you have Bakayoko is back, uh, phenomenal in the in the league on. So uh, I really don't know what's going on. To be honest, uh, I think something else needs to change. I don't think it's the players. I don't think it's the coach. I think maybe some mentality issue is going on. All right, all right, Sulaiman, my favorite part of the episode, prediction time. The UCL is back. The first game I will talk to you about is the Napoli-Liverpool game. Um, obviously, you know, Liverpool and Napoli had good games this past weekend. So, Sulaiman, I don't know if you want me to start or not, but what do you think will happen in this game? And you don't have to give me a scoreline. You can just tell me if Napoli is going to win or if Liverpool is going to win or if it's going to be a draw. So this is going to be played in Naples at the San Paolo Stadium. And I'm, I have a feeling Napoli will get the edge on this one. Uh, I, I feel the same way. The only drawback is that it may be a high-scoring game, like a 4-3, <laughs> because, again, Napoli's defense is not the best, but I do feel that Napoli will have that edge over them, and just because Napoli is playing away... Uh, sorry, Napoli is playing at home, uh, I think they have another edge you know, in that regard. So I think I, I give, also give it to Napoli. Let's move on to Chelsea-Valencia. Um, obviously, Valencia played this past weekend against Barcelona. They didn't. They didn't win. Um, and but and Chelsea basically, you know, had a very good game too. So, what would you think? What would we say about this uh, matchup? Chelsea 
will win the game. I feel like they had a very good weekend, like you said. And with Valencia just missing the coach, I don't know that they have enough to give it a, a really worth challenge in this game. Yeah, I think this is the only question mark. If Marcelino was still there, I would have said Valencia is going to win it. Um, and let's keep in mind, in my opinion, I think this is probably uh, a test for Chelsea. Uh, I think Valencia is not no small team, obviously. Um, I, I think this is a test to see if they, you know, Chelsea will be a great team this season. So um, I will give the edge to Chelsea just because there's an uh, unsettlement in Valencia currently. But the big game of tomorrow, I, I, well, at least for me personally, I think the big game for tomorrow is Barcelona-Dortmund. Um, Dortmund, frontline, fire. Barcelona, frontline, fire. Um, back line of Barcelona is not so fire, but Dortmund is a little better, I guess. Um, so what is your prediction for tomorrow? Dortmund or Barca? Dortmund, and a few reasons. Dortmund are playing at home. They've played one of the best attacking styles of football this season. And they have Paco Alcacer. And no one has more to prove to the contingent from Barcelona than Paco Alcacer does. A very, very interesting that you choose Dortmund. Uh, I, I'm going with Barcelona uh, just because Suarez is back. Uh, they said Messi's back, but I don't know if he will start. Um, you're right. The backline for Dortmund uh, for Barcelona will be the problem, and I think that's where Dortmund would shine. But I still think uh, the way Barcelona plays, they play you know a special brand of football that will keep the ball away from Dortmund. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I, I think I think Barcelona will have the edge. It may be a high-scoring game also, uh, but I think Barcelona will have the edge. All right. Um, so when this, those are just Tuesday games, uh, let's quickly talk about the Wednesday game. Uh, the the one game we want to talk about is the Manchester City Shakhtar Donetsk game. Uh, obviously, City is coming off from an uh, embarrassing uh, loss, um, and Shakhtar will probably want to take advantage of that. Uh, what do you think will happen in that game? Yeah, I mean, these two teams have played four times and in the last two years, and City have won three out of those four. But the one that Shakhtar Donetsk won makes me believe that they can repeat this in very unfriendly conditions in Ukraine when City travels to them. So I feel like with City being shaky and Donetsk being at home, I'll go for a tie in this one. Yeah, I know. I go for a City win only because uh, I think they've woken up from yesterday's game and they've decided, well, they've realized that they can't underestimate any team. So I think Pep will, Pep has definitely spoken to them with thunder and fire. So they will definitely wake up tomorrow uh, on Wednesday and probably, uh, I think they will, they'll, it will be, it, will, it won't be close. I think City is going to win this. Um, but let's move on to PSG Real Madrid. Um, this is a very, you know, Two teams that are very unsettled and they're very shaky. Um, what do you think will happen in this game? I I can't really call anything. I would say the home team takes the win just because I feel like they have what it takes to win. Sure. And yeah, you're right. I think PSG will also win this. Uh, Neymar coming back. Uh, Remedy doesn't have a, a very good back line. Um, I, think, I think PSG is going to win. But let's keep in mind, PSG doesn't have a very good record in the Champions League. So... Um, especially against top teams. So this may be, uh, you know, this may be uh, in the, the other way around. But to be honest, 
Real Madrid is not a very good team right now. Um, Gareth Bale will be back. I uh, should be playing tomorrow or uh, on Wednesday. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But I, I, I think I agree with you. I give the edge over to PSG. And the final game one predicts is probably the biggest game of the week. Uh, the Atletico Madrid and Juventus game. Uh, keep in mind, they have the injuries, Juventus. Um, but what do you think will happen in this game? You know, Juventus has Cristiano Ronaldo, who feels like he always has a score to settle against <laughs> Atletico Madrid. Yeah, so this is going to be a very, very tough game from a neutral fan perspective. And I think Juventus is going to win it. Atletico, to me, has not been the convincing team they've been in recent years. And they just haven't been that great against Juventus, at least from recent memory. Very interesting. Um, I actually am going for a draw in this game. Uh, the reason why I'm going for a draw is because I think uh, the injuries to um, Juventus, I think, makes them less, uh, you know, scary. Um, I, I'm sure they, they realize this um, uh, with Douglas Costa out. Um, I mean, obviously, Ronaldo is a very good you know, uh, threat in that front line. Um, but I think there's a family of foe and they know how to handle them. Um, so he may get one or two goals in, but I think Atletico Madrid will definitely also score. Um, it's very weird. I know we didn't talk about this earlier, but again, this past weekend, uh, even though it didn't lead to a goal, um, Delete actually made a, a, a mistake in the back, um, passing the ball to uh, to uh, Chesney. Um, so for some reason, Delete does well for Netherlands, but then when it comes to Juventus, he, he does very bad. So I think... Atletico Madrid may take advantage of this, and 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 remember, Chiellini is out, so that that's not good for Juventus. So, uh, I, I personally think this may, may, you know, will probably end in a tie. I think that's that's my prediction for tomorrow. Yeah, we'll see how this, all those games pan out. I think the beautiful thing about these games are we'll know by by Wednesday evening how this how our predictions turn out. Yep, and then I will will shame each other uh, on the next episode for sure. For sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, our listeners, thank you so much for listening. Uh, this has been the um, 15th episode of the fourth official soccer podcast. Suleiman, can you take it away? Sure. We are always on fourth official SP on Twitter. You can find us on all the major podcast platforms. We're on Spotify, Google Music, and we're also on Apple Podcast. And you can also reach out to us at Fourth official soccer podcast at gmail.com. It's been a pleasure reliving the moments from the soccer weekend with you, and we hope to see you next time. Thank you, and bye-bye. bye bye.